0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Amen. Amen. Can I just chicken out and let him preach? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So thank you for having me again. And I want to thank John and Tracy and Matthew for trusting me with this mic. Because you guys know I like to talk. So the Lord gave me this message several weeks ago, and it's been burning on my heart. And Lindsay Hatch, what you released earlier matches what the Lord's given me today. And she had no idea. My my titles are always top secret. My husband doesn't even know. Um, And I want to start with this message, but we have some business to do. So I want everybody to raise your right hand. Raise it high. Okay. Now you're raising your hand before the Lord. And I want you to promise me that you're still going to love me after this message. Okay? Can you say amen? Okay, now I can relax and I can be at peace. So we're going to get started because we have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to go to Matthew 7, and this is in the Amplified, and it's verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and easy to travel is the path that leads to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many, can you say many? Many who enter through it. Small is the gate and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. The title to this message is, which path are you on? You see, several weeks ago, I had a birthday birthday. And as my husband would say, it was a landmark birthday. And no, I'm not going to tell you what it was. It's top secret. So anyhow, but when you have those kind of birthdays, you start looking back over your life. And I started reflecting about the good things that happened and some of the wonderful people that God had put on my path. But then I took notice that there were several, no, quite a few that were no longer on that path with me. You see, they're no longer on the path of the Lord. And I'm talking about people that were in ministry, people that could prophesy so accurately, and they were so well-esteemed in the house of God, and now there's so much deception, they're being hunted down by the FBI. I'm talking about people that were evangelists, soul winners that are now practicing Buddhism. I'm talking about people that had wonderful families, wonderful Christian families, beautiful wives, beautiful husbands, and they have nothing anymore. They have lost everything and everyone. And even some are now in prison for sexual crimes. And I'm talking about some that got on drugs and they're no longer with us. And there's more. But I don't want to share any more about that because it hurts my heart so much. It breaks my heart. How could this happen? You see, every one of these people that I'm telling you about, I knew them. And they were passionate for the Lord. Some of them would get up early in the morning, drive to church, be there at 5 in the morning, pray. I'm not talking about content contemplative prayer. I'm talking about Praying out loud with other believers for a whole hour, then get back in their car, drive through Dallas traffic to their full time career job, and do this every morning. And those people are not walking with the Lord. How can this happen? How? Well, it's the devil. You see, the devil works over time to get you off of the path of the Lord, the path of righteousness, the straight and narrow path, to get you onto the path of destruction and eternal loss. His two primary ways are one, he tries to lure you into sin, and it's so subtle. But if he can't get you that way, then what he's gonna do, he's gonna try to get you upset with God. God didn't answer your prayer, he didn't answer it the way you wanted him to answer the prayer. And then he allowed bad things to happen in your your life. How dare him, huh? That's how the devil makes you think about it. And so then you get offended at God, and then you start drifting away from him. And I just want to say that it is the grace of God that I am standing here today. You see, I don't know anyone that has gone through Maybe that's not fair to say. Pretty much every bad thing that could happen to a person has happened to me. The only thing is I have not been to jail. I've been to jail, but that was ministry. But I've not been thrown in jail. And I've had people say, Sharon, you've gone through so much. I can't believe that you're still faithful to the Lord and that you've never You've never drifted off from him. How have you done it? And I believe that there's a couple of things. One is just I love Jesus so much, I don't want to hurt him. You know, when we sin against the Lord, it hurts him. And the other is that the Lord brought me mothers and fathers in the Lord that taught me, they trained me, and they shared with me truths that helped me establish such a firm foundation that when the winds and the rains and the trials, and I'm telling you the bad things because they're going to happen because we're in a fallen world. But when those things came in my life, my foundation did not crumble. So this morning, if you will allow me, just for a few minutes, will you let me mother you? Will you let me be your mother, and share just a few of the truths that were shared with me. And this is not an exhaustive list by any means. So we're going to go ahead and continue in Matthew, but this is New American Standard Version, verse 21, Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter? So who does the will of the Father or my Father will enter heaven? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And then Jesus will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so why would we have to work out our salvation if we say a little prayer, we get our ticket stamp, and we automatically go to heaven? 1 Peter 4. If the righteous are barely saved, what will become of the wicked and the godless? And then Jesus is speaking in Revelation 3. He who overcomes, I will not erase his name from the book of life. So Jesus is telling us, you can have your name erased. That's a possibility. And when I received these scriptures, let me tell you, it put a holy, reverential fear of God, a healthy fear of God in me. And thank God I received these truths at a young spiritual age. Now, I want to go to some other scriptures. And these are scriptures that a lot of ministers I think they cut them out of the Bible. Because if you share these scriptures, you're not going to get a very good offering. But you know what? I don't receive offerings. So I have the freedom to do this. But anyhow, and then Christians read these scriptures, but they just kind of glance over them real quick because they go, oh, that's for the unbeliever. No. Paul is talking to Christians. And he says almost the same thing over and over again to different Christian groups. So the first one is in the... The Christians in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, or the covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then in Ephesus, Ephesians 5. But immorality and that's any form of of sex outside of marriage. Impurity or greed must not be even mentioned among you as is improper among the saints. And there must be no silly talk, coarse jesting, dirty jokes, or foul language, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then in Galatia, the Galatians church, uh, Galatians 5, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already told you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Then I could read you one in Colossia, but to the Colossians, and that's Colossians 3, 5. I'll just skip over that for time's sake. It's almost identical words. And then he who sits on the throne, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus himself says in Revelations 21 but it's for the cowards and the unbelieving and the abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or even tolerate immorality. Murderers, sorcerers with intoxicating drugs, idolaters, occultists, and all the liars, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And these scriptures are talking about habitual, continual sin. Because we know that if we sin, we can confess our sin, and he will cleanse us of our sin and and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? I didn't quote that correctly, but anyhow, so he's faithful to forgive us, but this is when you're, it's an ongoing lifestyle, okay? Um, Hebrews 10, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume So what happens here? There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins when we keep sinning. So it's almost like we nullify the works of the cross and what Jesus did. Then in Hebrews 6, 4, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and that heavenly gift is salvation. It's a gift. It's free and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. You can fall away from your faith? It is impossible to renew them to repentance since they again crucify the Son of God and put him to open shame. Impossible. It nullifies everything that Jesus did. His death, burial, and resurrection. And then in James 4, it says, Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. So what does that mean? Well, when we look like the world, we act like the world, and nobody can tell a difference between us. Then in 1 John 2, 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in Him if we love the world. So, I want to share a couple more. This is a different message, isn't it? Um, But the Lord gave me some scriptures when I was drifting off of the path of the Lord. And you see, I was justifying my actions because we're in the age of grace, right? And we have freedom in Christ. And then the Lord took me To Matthew 5, Jesus says, If your right eye seduces you to fall into sin, then go blind in your right eye. For you're better off losing sight in one than to have your whole body thrown into hell. And if your right hand entices you to sin, let it go limp and useless. For you're better off losing a part of your body than to have it thrown into hell. Now, one interesting fact. Jesus talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. This is an important topic to him. And what he just said here is so important to him that he did this sermon twice, almost verbatim. And Matthew records it again in 18. Troubles and obstacles to your faith are inevitable. But great devastation will come to the one guilty of causing others to leave the path of righteousness. What? Jesus just said that you can leave the path of righteousness righteousness, and you can cause others to leave the path of righteousness? If your hand clings to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven crippled and maimed than to have both hands and both feet and be thrown into fire, eternal fire. And if your eye is always focusing on sin, pluck it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven with one eye than to be thrown into fire, the hell fire with two. Uh, So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying whatever is causing you to sin, cut it off. If it's alcohol, cut it off. If it's that computer, cut it off, throw it away. If it's a relationship, cut it off. And that's what I had to do. And I just want to tell you, I know I'm sounding hard, but I'm sharing this with you because I love you. And I want every one of you to be in heaven with me. I don't want to see another friend or another person that I know go down the wrong path. 1 John 3, everyone who keeps hating a fellow believer is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So I just want to ask you, do you have an intense dislike for somebody? Do you detest someone? Do you loathe them? Or do you just kind of avoid them? That's hate. And then in Matthew 6, Jesus says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Our whole Christian faith is based on our Heavenly Father forgiving us of our sins because of Jesus' blood sacrifice. And now Jesus is saying, your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. If you have unforgiveness towards someone, do you have ought or an ill feeling towards someone? 2 John 1, 9. Anyone who wanders away and does not remain faithful to the teaching of Christ has no relationship with God. Again, you can wander away. Jesus again says in Matthew 24, At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another. Jesus said that believers in the last days are going to start falling away. And then Jesus again says in Matthew 10, It is the one who endured to the end that shall be saved. So it's not the ones that started out really good. They said a prayer. They got water baptized. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the ones that stay with him to the end. Then Jesus is speaking again in John 15. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch. Oh, you can't remain in him? That's a possibility? He is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. That sounds like hell to me. And then some people try to explain these scriptures away. Like I could spend a whole sermon on one of these. But you know what? We can't overcomplicate this. Jesus and Paul were typically talking to crowds that had about a third third grade education. So what he said is what he meant. We can't overcomplicate it. They wouldn't have been able to understand what he was sharing. And that was the most important thing to to him. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, this is Paul. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you otherwise you have believed in vain. Then Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 9, "But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others I myself will not be disqualified." Apostle Paul was concerned he'd be disqualified from what? Salvation. And then Paul again, 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's inferring that you can lose the faith, but he made it to the end. He started well and he ended well. And then 1 John 2, the one who says, I know him, I know Jesus. But does not keep his commandments. He is a liar and the truth is not in him. Jesus says, John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in 1 Peter, you shall be holy as I am holy. 1 John 2, here's how we truly know God if we keep his commands. And I'm almost done. What are his commands? Jesus tells us in Matthew 19, but if you wish to enter into life, eternal life, keep the commandments. Wait a minute, that's Old Testament. No, it's not. Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. That means lying. You will honor your father and mother and you will love your neighbor as yourself. And then again in Matthew 22, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second one is, And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law is, and the prophets are fulfilled when you you obey those two commandments, is what he says. And I have more scriptures. And the reason why I, I shared so many, which is very unusual for me or any minister, Is because I wanted to show you how many times this is brought up. It's throughout the Bible. Um, And I almost can hear people saying, but what about the love of God? And then Tracy read that scripture. What about the love of God? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But you see, when you say yes to Jesus, you enter into a covenant with him. You make a vow with him, just like in a marriage, for better or worse, until death do you part. You're in a covenant, a contract with him. But don't you know that many marriages don't work out? Because one of the partners starts drifting away And then they end up in adultery or spiritual adultery. And then the relationship ends up in a divorce. And I want to tell you that Jesus is the faithful partner. He will never leave you. Even if you're drifting. Even if you deny him, he always loves you. His love never fails. So, real quick, one story, because I can't do a message without a story, right? So, usually, I pray every day for divine appointments, and so, um, one day, I'm doing my stuff, and I run into this cowboy, and we live in Dallas, Texas, so everybody thinks there's cowboys everywhere, but not Dallas, right? We have a few here and there, but I mean, he was legitimate. You know, the cowboy hat, the boots, and the wranglers with the big bolt, the Belt, buckle, you know. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to witness to him? What's going to be my approach, my evangelism approach? And the guy beats me to the punch. So he comes up to me and he said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm like, whoa. That's a good, (laughs) never thought of that one, right? And he said, you see, I already died. And I went to hell. Oh, okay. Can you tell me about that? Well, I was going to. You see. When I was uh, 10 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus. I decided that I was going to serve him. And I understood that he was the Son of God and that he died for my sins. And I accepted him in my heart. And he said, I had a 180, not a 190, I had a 180. I had so much joy and love and peace. And I just loved to go to church. I was there every time the doors were open. And my parents were very happy this this occurred because then I became very obedient. And then I go to Christ for the Nations. And he studies there and he leaves Christ for the Nations and life is good. He's serving Jesus. But then one day his grandfather died. Something snapped in him. He was upset. His grandfather died. How could my loving heavenly father let my grandfather die? How old was he? He was 84. But he got upset. And so what happens? He starts partying. He starts drinking. He starts womanizing. He starts doing the things that other people in the world do, right? And he went and bought him a motorcycle. But he didn't buy himself a helmet. And so one day, he got hit on that motorcycle. And you know the scripture that says the wages of sin is death. And that's what happened. Death came knocking at his door. And I said, well, what happened? Like, do do you remember being hit? He goes, no, I don't remember a thing. But apparently, when the lady hit me, I go flying across the road onto the cement. I'm splattered all over the cement. My brains are hanging out. I have an eyeball over here. My guts are over here. And then I have all these punctures in my, my lungs. And I had so many internal organs that were damaged. And he said, so they care flighted me to Big Baylor and Dallas. The physicians called my parents and they said, All the king's horses and all the king's men are not going to be able to put William back together again. You need to get down here right now. He is not going to survive. I asked him, Did you have an out of body experience? No. Well, tell me more. I'm on the edge of my seat, right? And he said, Apparently, I flatlined. And he said, all I remember is being sucked down in this big black tunnel, being pulled down. And I was going head over heels. I was somersaulting down. And I I, I couldn't see anything but this red flame way, 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 way below me. And I'm descending down, and I have no control over my body. And I am so scared. I'm terrified. And I could hear the screams and the shrills of the people in hell, in agony. And I could smell their burning flesh. He said, Sharon, there's just no, nothing like it. I can't describe it. Everything that the Bible says about hell is so true, but it's even worse. And he said, so when I'm falling, I start praying. But Lord... What what about when I was 10 years old and I trusted in you, Jesus, and I believed in you? No response. But, Lord, what about Christ for the nations and I have my ministry license and and I I know your word? No response. Okay, Lord, what what about the, the homeless that I fed or the ones I took to Kohl's? I bought them clothes. Lord, please. Well, don't you know that in hell the Lord can't hear our prayers and that we've already made our decision in this life which God we're going to serve. Are we going to serve the God of alcohol? Are we going to serve the God of pornography? Are we going to serve the God of money or self? We decide whom we're going to serve and he knew that but he said i was just so desperate because i knew that sooner or later i was going to hit hell i was going to hit the floor of hell and then all of a sudden he went splat he hit he hit it hard and it he was still alive you know falling that far you would think that you would suffer pain he said and and that it would kill you but you don't die in hell right so anyhow so he said I hit the ground I'm so scared to open my eyes and then I I had to I had to open my eyes I finally opened them up and guess what he was in the hospital bed it was a miracle flatlined four times he was clinically dead and Jesus let him live He let him live so he can go around and tell people, unbelievers, there's a hell and you don't want to go there. And tell believers, there's a hell and you don't want to go there. That's his mission. He goes around Dallas and he goes up to different people. He tells them their story, his story. And then he shows them all the scars on his head and the plates in his body from over a hundred surgeries. So I share that story in fear and trembling. Because I knew when I spoke with him that every word he said was true. You know, you can look in someone's eyes. And he was trying to save me. The whole time he had no idea that I was a believer. So anyhow, today, I have shared the truth of God's word. And I really feel like the Lord wants us all to respond. You see, I believe there's someone or some people that are either online or here that you feel like you're kind of drifting off the path of the Lord like I was. And then there's others that you're concerned. Am I close to being disqualified? Is there something in your life that you are having trouble with? A sin? And then there's others that I believe that God has highlighted a person or persons in your life that you love them. You love them so much and you realize they're on their way. They're on their way to hell. And the Lord wants you to come down, and he wants you to pray for them and to stand in the gap for them. The Bible says that we can remit other sins. We can be intercessors, and we need to cry out for mercy for those loved ones. We don't want anyone going to hell. And then finally, there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus, if you died tonight, are you sure that if you stand before God the Father, that he would let you into his kingdom? So if you could go ahead and start the music. Um, yeah. Again, everything that I have said to you is out of a heart of love. Because I've been a Christian a long time. And I've seen the collateral damage of the enemy and how he would take the people most unlikely down. And I'm tired of hearing, going to funerals and hearing about funerals. And not convinced that that person made it to heaven. You know, William didn't have any time to repent. It hit him so fast. It was broad daylight. Now he should have been wearing a helmet, yes, but but we just never know our day or the hour. So I want everybody to stand up, and I want you to close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes, <clears throat> and I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna pray. And if you feel a tugging in your heart, if you feel a pull your heart's beating fast, then the Lord's wanting you to respond. You see, when you do something publicly, you humble yourself before the Almighty. Then he's going to honor that, and he's going to break the chains. And I believe what was shared this morning was he wants to do something unusual today. He wants to do some suddenly, some instantaneous things. He wants to break off cycles and patterns in our lives. You see, I know none of you want to miss this move of God, and the Lord doesn't want you to move it. He doesn't want you to be even disqualified from that. He wants you to be pure and holy vessels so He can use you in this great outpouring. It'll be the greatest days the church has ever seen. And so he wants you to do business with him today. Like I asked you to do business with me earlier. He's saying, come do business with me. So I want you to start coming forward. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to start praying. And the altar team, can you go ahead and come down? So Lord, we just pray that your spirit of conviction, your spirit of repentance will just come over us. Lord, that you would show us if there's any area in our, our lives that is displeasing to you, any area where we've strayed, if we have any unforgiveness, if there be any hate in our heart towards another, Lord, we want to be holy as you are holy. And Lord, we want to obey your commandments because we love you, Jesus. And Lord, we don't want anyone to be lost. We don't want anyone to perish in our family. We don't want anyone that we love as a friend to perish. And Lord, we just pray that you would give us a burden for them and that we would not get caught up in the busyness of our life and forget about those that are slipping away. But we would rescue our brothers and we'd rescue them through intercession and prayer. Lord, we ask that you would break chains today, that you would break addictions that you would break bad habits. Lord, if there's anger in us, Lord, we just ask that you would purge it out. We just pray for a miracle in our hearts. We just pray that you would move and send your angelic host to this room right now to minister to your saints and to bring great deliverance. And Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you or is uncertain about their relationship with you, Lord, I just lift that person up to you right now, and I just join with them and believe that they are taking you into their heart. They're believing in in you, Lord Jesus. They're confessing with their mouth that you are Lord and that God has raised him from the dead. So we thank you that salvation is nigh and that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day of deliverance. This is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. So, Lord, give us grace now to humble ourselves and to seek your face. Seek your face. Lord, I ask that you would move on uh, anyone here that is burdened for their family member. That they would come forward and that they would believe and agree with these altar workers. In Jesus' name, amen.